Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Hey guys, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I am going to be joined by Zach Perna. For those of you who are interested in the fitness industry, I'm almost certain that you would have heard of Zach before, at least come across his content through social media like Instagram or his very successful YouTube channel where he puts out some incredible videos, very entertaining and also very educational and and plenty of value in all of his content. He's also the owner of Slouch Potato. Um, He's sponsored by Gymshark, sponsored by EHP Labs. He was one of the, I guess, the founders of EHP Labs new pre-workout pride which we have done a, a full episode on with with zach himself and the ceo is uh a little earlier uh maybe last year i think it was but you know i find zach's content very engaging um as i said very educational and i really like the way he goes about um you know sharing value with his audience um while keeping them entertained as well so i've been really looking forward to this conversation um you know we dived into a number of different topics not just health and fitness uh, and I thank Zach for his time. So if you enjoy this episode, uh, show your support by taking a screenshot of this one, post it up on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Zach. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, if you're not already, go and follow the man. I don't know what you're doing if you're not following him already. Um, but uh, that's it, guys. Let's, uh, let's just get stuck into the interview with Zach. Zach, welcome to the show, man. Pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. I mean, we've been trying to tee this one up for a while, so uh, I think uh, I think it'd be good. I, I know the listeners are going to really enjoy it. Anytime I put out a, uh, a thing on my story asking who people want to hear on the show, your name pops up every single time. So um, oh, the sick. listeners will be thankful. Uh, awesome. Man, t- tell us a bit about the um, the new the new merch, the new business that I, th- I believe you and your brother launched recently. Um, we obviously just briefly touched in about it uh, before I hit record, and sounds like it's doing super well, but. Um, give the listeners a bit of an idea of, I guess, the process from start to finish of, you know, until launch day and then what you're doing with it at the moment. So pretty much, uh, for those who don't know, it's uh, called Slouch Potato. So it's actual, like pretty much pajamas is what it is. Um, me and my brother kind of figured a gap in the market for not just like sleepwear, but just what we wear around the house. Like, is this being filmed as well? Is this being recorded? Yeah. Video? Yes, yeah, for the guys that are just watching out there, I'm, I'm actually wearing them now. So it's like just what it is. So it's just random like prints so um yeah it's what we've been doing in the past probably took a good two years to make and then we launched in october and then uh it's been that on the side like crazy so my brother joel quit his job full time and has been (laughs) doing this and i've just been uh trying to balance the rest of my job with with this as well so yeah we're launching tomorrow so for when this comes out obviously uh it already would have been done hopefully did well Mm. what's the uh so in terms of how you're releasing the products, are you, you doing purely kind of like hype launches then they sell out and then you do another one or are you going to have some that kind of uh, consistently on store? Yeah, so it's actually interesting because originally we wanted to have that model of like hype, sell out and really just go crazy with that. Yep. So we first launched and we sold out that day. In the first hour, in fact, we sold out of a couple of things and we were like, yes, this is great. This is what we want. Let's mm-hmm. keep doing this. And then stock issues it takes so much time to get yeah. that you don't want to lose momentum so then we actually kind of reevaluated and thought look strategically if we find one product that actually kills it and really, really works and people love it great we're going to actually keep that and mm-hmm. now we're going to try and use this range to see what works see what people like 
keep restocking and not annoy people by selling out and stuff. And then mm-hmm. kind of gauge, use that as a bit of a product to show the wider market and see if we can, you know, get the cold audience in by that hero product. And then we're just going to go every month. We're dropping in. We're about nine months ahead now in terms of like new ranges. Oh, awesome. So then every, awesome. yeah, every month we're going to drop something fresh just to keep that. So we yeah. kind of got an answer to questions, a bit of both. It's like the hero products stay. And then we have, every month exciting new things for people who love the brand who want that new kind of design new pattern all that stuff so that'll be good 100 i think then you get your regular customers and that that lifetime value of the customer just keeps going up if you've got the consistent product like you said the hero product in there um and it just helps mm. with the mo- momentum as well because that it's a difficult thing when you have that launch uh, of the product. And as you said, you know, you guys sold out super quick and then if you don't have something ready to back up within a few weeks it's like there's a lot of downtime in between where you lose that momentum with the customers yeah. and even even in terms of content like it's difficult too because mm, 100%. when you're selling out of stuff you can't keep reposting the same content and you can't keep posting like we sold out of like say cookie shorts for example so then we're not going to keep posting cookies because they can't even buy them so yeah, all, exactly. of the, all of the like influencer marketing we did like i had sent it to like 50 influencers we had millions of like reach from their photos and then you don't want to even post them because the product doesn't exist anymore so then you're like yeah damn what what do we do with this so what do we do next like yeah so i had to give it a bit of a rethink and so we're going to try this strategy out and, and see how that goes but i, I like that like, before we um before we push more into I guess the the fitness side of things, what was the the catalyst for that? Like, what why pajamas? Was it just something because uh, it wasn't wasn't being done in the market, or is it is that what was the catalyst it's there? Part of it. It's it's also part of it is that we already wore them, which was quite funny because we were like one of the only few people that really loved them. And I had bought some before, and I was like to Joel, I'm like this brand's crazy. Found a really nice brand, and he bought some immediately, and we were like we wanted to share that because we were like, people don't know, like we're like, they don't know this feeling of getting home and being so just, just chilling out and just relaxing, watching TV and being in that, like just being set up like well. And so we were like, we could do this so much better. He actually, Joel said that funnily enough. And I was like, Oh yeah. And anyway, we kind of did that. But then I was looking at it analytically and going, wow, there actually isn't like this brand out there right now for the younger people. It's always like, for kids or for girls or for old people, you know, there's not really anything that's actually quite uh, trendy and especially tapping into like the social media stuff. Um, so I saw that clearly from a business perspective, I was like, wow, that's actually a solid gap yeah. with the product that we already kind of like. But our issue was that we just didn't know how to possibly make this happen. Like we were just, for yeah. anybody listening now, I was literally like you thinking, I don't know how to make pajamas. Like that was it, you know? So then <laughs> we started from the, the ground up pretty much. I think the the other good part about it as well is, you know, for those that are launching, like especially e-commerce brands, let's say you're launching a gym wear, right? And you have a great network of fitness people with the chances are everyone in your network is either sponsored by a brand or doesn't want to go like exclusive with the brand either. Whereas fucking, I don't know anyone sponsored by a pajama company. So I think exactly. you've, you've nailed it there because you can literally anyone that you send it to is able to you know share on social media is not restricted to what they can and can't wear with their pajamas. Yep. So you've nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mate, um, mate, with the, the YouTube channel, obviously it's fucking going mental and, and really engaging content. I love the fact how not only are you providing like valuable content, but the entertainment's there as well, which I think you see across any successful YouTube channel. It, it can't just be educational. I mean, you need some form mm. of entertainment there as well, which is what you do such a good job of. Is that something that you, that you were always, 
kind of dabbling in before YouTube? Like we always type of person who enjoyed the creative side of stuff and the entertaining uh, component of, I know, sharing content with your audience. I think like deep down I did because my personality is that like, I'm just a bit more of a joker instead of wanting to tell people what to do kind of thing. But with fitness, it didn't start that way with YouTube because I just started a YouTube channel to try and teach people and educate people just for their benefit. So I hated filming. I actually hated (laughs) the whole process of filming. I didn't know how to edit or anything like that. Um, Actually, that's one thing. I enjoyed making movies. That was about it. I enjoyed editing because I was just like learning. But I hated talking to the camera. I was petrified by doing that. But I just kind of pushed past that because... I knew that I had some things I wanted to explain to people and kind of tell them. Mm. Um, And then the more comfortable I got with that, the more comfortable I was with kind of being a bit myself on camera and yeah. And just kind of have fun with it a bit more. And then then if you kind of, if you were to watch all my old videos and then watch the most recent ones, you could see that progression of me being a bit more like having more fun with it pretty much and being less about let's be boring and explain something and be more fun and explain something and have a laugh at the same time. And then, funnily enough it just resonated with people luckily like i didn't even mm. realize until i had people telling me i love how you can teach me something and also it's quite funny and i was like oh that's cool like i'm just just explaining it in the best way possible that made sense to yeah. me you know so it was kind of Did a bit you, of luck uh, as well i feel as though i know the answer to this already but um are you someone who enjoys stand-up comedy and other forms of of comedy yourself yeah 100 percent. yeah i love that yeah what uh give us your give us your top five stand-up comedians so I reckon it's hard to say. I'm going to have to say Bill Burr because I found him on Netflix and it was like the funniest thing ever. Exactly. Seeing him the most. So good. Um, also, I probably a few years ago, I was in LA seeing Joe Rogan stand up at the comedy store. And then I saw Chris D'Elia like was there Fuck, before man. him. The goat. That, yeah. Just again, I'd never heard of him as well. So actually I saw him live and I was like, this is, this is the best. So him. And then obviously I have to say Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais. They're just, I think they're geniuses. Big comedy. Love player. that. Man, anytime I'm in LA, like prior to prior to COVID, I'd, I'd head over to, to LA and spend like a month there and just work and get content. And I, I found myself like fucking a few times a week going down to the comedy store and just going by myself, yeah. like an absolute fucking weird cunt. And just going That's down there, though. sitting there for a couple of hours and it's the best, man. I, I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff already, but I feel like you would absolutely love Theo Bond. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, he's good. He's pierced funny, man. Mm. But it's it's such a good. Uh, it's so different over in the states, the comedy scene compared to here. Um, yeah, but it's epic. It's epic, and I mean, like they do very. Like to be honest, like they're doing similar style to how you do yours. I mean, like obviously, comedy is their profession, but they're using mm-hmm. things like their podcast and their YouTube channel to reach a wider audience, which then you know results in more ticket sales and whatnot. And I'm assuming, like with your coaching app and and now mm-hmm. with it with the new business as well, like that entertainment side of things indirectly is what drives those those sales and the bigger audience yeah 100 percent. it's all tied in to to one another and even like in the past i've used like funny videos and skit videos as a means of getting uh more sales in as well and it, or just being like not being sneaky about it just being completely overtly yeah. salesy <laughs> with people and it's just fun to do to be able to like even do that because i think it breaks the ice with, with people like when you're selling a service of any kind like that people they get scared if you try and pretend like you're not selling anything you know what i mean and at the end of the day and i learned this just through the business of coaching like if you have a good product that you know will add value you you want to spread that to as many people as possible and of course they're going to pay for it nothing's free so that whole you make that transaction as as clear as possible and actually laugh at it and then people are more comfortable i reckon to take on 
to actually be open to that. Yeah. You build that trust. And with that entertainment and the value from the education, it's like they almost feel obligated to purchase from you. Uh, That sounds dodgy as fuck, but it's the truth. It's like, this guy's given me so much entertainment, so much uh, value over and over and over again. Of course, I'm going to buy his product with the YouTube videos, man. Let's say something that's a little more movie style or like entertaining, uh, where there's a lot of edits and stuff that go into it. How, How long does that process typically take you like from kind of start of filming till it's up on YouTube? So I, uh, I don't edit every video now. I've got a videographer, Hey, for you edits, um, and films probably one yeah. video a week of mine. But for example, I did one last week that I did uh, edit by myself. And I reckon that took around just of edit time, probably between six to eight hours, I reckon. And I've got it done pretty quick. Yeah. Mad. And that's quite a detailed one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What's uh, something that I love about your content as well. And, um, I know you put out, a bunch of this stuff. I've seen a number of your videos on YouTube around it is the whole like personal development and um, self-improvement side of things, as well as yep. the obvious kind of uh, specific fitness content. When did that journey start for you? Was it, you know, was it a book that maybe, you know, I often hear from people, it's like that one chapter or that one sentence in a book that really kind of like lit the fire or that had that light bulb moment and really started to dive deep. And that was definitely for me, I was reading a Robin Sharma book back in 2016 and, you know, up until that point, I fucking hated reading and didn't know personal development at all. And now I'm like obsessed with it. So what, how did that start for mm. you? Yeah, it was a similar thing, actually. Uh, I was never fully, fully into it because I think when I was a bit younger, maybe I was at uni, like in my early 20s, I had a bit of anxiety thinking about future stuff. So I didn't really want to mm. plan ahead as much. And I was kind of just wanting to live in the my bubble a little bit um, and not think about any of those confronting things but then i think around pre probably pre-covid time um i read it was david goggins book and that got me into reading a bit i'm like this is this is pretty cool and i started doing that then ross edgley sent me his book and that's what did it that's what did it because that just kind of got me in the actual habit of reading and that was the first thing that got me in the habit of reading then every day i i started uh reading and i was and i started getting into stoicism from his book as well uh and then i read probably a book a week since then i reckon and then that just made i mean once you start reading i think that's the catalyst for everybody to start to do more things like that because you start reading about the benefits of mindfulness meditation um journaling actually thinking about thinking Mm. like those things and i I think that can't really happen unless you have something like reading which will just educate you on people's obviously their thoughts and what they've done so that was the biggest thing for me and i pretty much credit all of that to that first book and then everything just kind of snowballed from there. So probably the last two years, it's been like really, really big part of my life. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, I think once you have that initial one, like you mentioned, you know, those two books there, when you have that light bulb moment and you actually buy in yourself, because, you know, I've, I've heard, mm. I've had people on the show before to come on and talk about mindfulness. And it's like, you know, I can give you a book right now around personal development. You can read through it and get absolutely nothing from it. But once you're actually mentally open to 
the world of personal development or you've seen some form of small benefits, just like training and nutrition, right? If you give someone mm. a six day training program and fucking full macros and supplements and they've never trained before in their life, they're, it's going to, it's not going to work. Whereas if yeah. we gradually stack, uh, stack those habits up and, and build it up over time, it makes so much sense. What, so your morning routine, uh, I know you kind of post content on this quite regularly, but what's that look yeah. like for you? Obviously you do, do your reading. Is there anything else that you do for your, your morning routine? Yeah. So first, like it's so weird how like ritualistic it is. It doesn't actually change no matter where I am. It's the same thing. Um, I'll go and get my pre-workout because my pre-workout doesn't have any tingles or anything. So it's more like feeling of like a coffee. So I'll bring that back to bed and I'll start reading and I'll probably read for around 20 to 30 minutes, usually about 30. And all whilst like I don't, I leave my phone on dinner disturbed. So I don't get a single notification or mm -hmm. like with my job, it's things are happening overnight with different time zones and everything. So if I get a notification at like 2am from UK or whatever, I can't read that. So I just don't look at any of my phone or anything like that. And then once the reading's done and I'm like a bit more awake, um, I'll plan the day and what I want, like the, my biggest priorities for the day, um, things I have to get done when I'm going to be able to do them, make sure that that looks good for me. So I go, sweet. I'm like, so kind of excited. And then I'll usually do like a Wim Hof breathing exercise and yep. then I'll go down and train. And that's like every day. How do you go about uh, switching off? I know this is something that I've, I definitely struggle with. I'm sl slowly getting better at it, very slowly. But uh, when, say for example, you go away on a, on a holiday, you're just trying to take time away from work or maybe even you know, full on fitness for a little bit. How how do you go with that? And is there any, I guess, tools or or things that you've found help in terms of being able to actually switch off and give yourself that time to mentally and physically reset? I think I was really bad at this in the past. I couldn't do that at all. Um, but then I had a few times where I hit not like I was that overwhelmed with everything going on of pressure, the actual work itself, anything, just negativity, anxiety, all there's just a lot of overwhelming like feelings. And I think that led to me one day just thinking like, I need to get out. Like it was one of those things where you just want to throw in the towel for a bit. Like you just feel mm -hmm. like it's too much and the feeling of that and that is what kind of lets me switch off when I need to, because I don't want to get there again. So like, yep. for example, um, just the last weekend, just gone, I just went up to the mountains with my family and just kind of just chilled. And I'm easily able to let myself do that and actually enjoy the moment, enjoy the present time. Because I know that if I don't do that every so often, or if I don't take in that time at the end of the day, maybe to switch off and give myself a break, I know it's going to build up to the point where you'll get to that, that point where people burn out and they feel like they can't take it anymore. And, I think if you've been there before, it's like just the shittest feeling ever because you feel like, mm. how, can I, how can I do this? And if you haven't been there before, I think you can understand that it's not somewhere you'd want to be, where you want to just, nah. you know, go all in. So you have to like, I think for me, I think I always think about that, about that, you know, preventative kind of measure to avoid that burnout. Um, and then also too, it's just the more I do this stuff and especially with fitness as well, I don't need to be going crazy training and going nuts and killing my body every single day. Like I think you find that balance to enjoy the rest and not live it to extremes of either going all or nothing on anything. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago when, um, Robbie frame came on the show. Um, I'd known Robbie for a while and he used this incredible analogy around the volume dial, like, you know, turning the volume dial up when things really need to start to get a little more disciplined and, you know, tightening up with your macros mm -hmm. and your training and whatnot, but then being able to turn it down. So you're not fully on or fully off all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's what yep. I think people fuck up with the most in terms of even just general health and well-being. It's like you go, 
and you would see this all the time. You have someone who has come from doing next to nothing and they need to make a change and they try and do everything all at once. So they're either fully in or fully out. Um, and yeah. if you can get out of that, that cycle, it, it makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Just on the, on the topic still of, uh, being able to switch off. It's funny how similar this is, but you know, obviously you see someone, let's say a singer that does exceptionally well with like, maybe they have a big song or a few big songs. And then that pressure is there then to make sure that every song after that is just as big, if not bigger mm-hmm. on a smaller scale. Do you feel, do you feel that same way with, with YouTube? And if so, like how, I guess, how do you approach your videos now? Are you kind of mapping out a video purely to try and make it bigger than the previous one or, or what's your process of deciding on what type of content goes into those? Yeah, that's actually really hard because it's one thing to continue making videos of just whatever you want. Like that's, that's fine. And that's what I did for a while as well. But then you do want to just get better and you want to just keep progressing and not Mm. have any bits of, you know, feeling a bit stale or bored on the channel as well. Like you want to make it exciting and keep growing, obviously. So I think it's a funny world YouTube because sometimes you go through phases where everything kills it. Maybe, you know, it's like the algorithm's loving you. Everything's killing it, showing heaps of people. Um, that's been for me a few times. And then in between you'll get lulls where it really just, for whatever reason, you know, isn't as popular, mm-hmm. not showing many people and, and whatever. And it can kind of make you a bit like overanalyzing what's going on. And some, and sometimes that like, yeah, I just get caught doing that anyway, but thinking, Oh, what do I need to do to kind of get the views again? And, views. and so I just try not to be too, yeah, try not to be too drastic with it. Cause I understand that it has these like cyclical things, but at the same time too, I'm always trying to be different and think of ways to stay ahead. So like for now, for example, the views haven't been great on my channel, um, but I don't get discouraged because I just think, okay, sweet back to the drawing board. Like what can we change? What can we try? What can we do different? Um, and then that's why, I'm, I always kind of rejig a bit of a method for that. I don't just mm. beat myself up and think, Oh shit. Like last year I got a million views in one video. How can I do that again? I'm, I'm just thinking, I guess of new things and trying to innovate a bit more with those videos and make the videos better. And to sum it up, if my content can't get better, that's all I'm really worried about. If you know, that's a problem if it can't get better. So for now, I just think, Oh, well, if no matter what happens, if I'm making the videos that I think are the best I can, or that I think is a genuinely sick viral worthy video, happy. I'm happy with that. You know, and mm-hmm. if YouTube doesn't like it for whatever reason, then <laughs> sweet, you know, so yeah. but yeah, yeah. but the, <laughs> the most important thing is that like, I don't overanalyze the details. And I think, well, and I've done this since I like, since I had about 10,000 subscribers, I did a video, did that 10 happy meal challenge, mm-hmm. um, yep. just food challenge. <laughs> and I watched it back and I remember it got like, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand views or 5,000 views. And I watched it back and I was like, this is a viral worthy video. Like I could see that getting a million. I'm like, damn. And I literally was saying to my family, I was like, oh, well, all I've got to do is keep making that because if I can make that standard, then mm-hmm. surely it'll get there one day. And that, that video popped, like funnily enough, it popped off and got like, I think it's at 6 million now or something crazy. So like <laughs> that crazy. always was a bit of a, yeah, it was, and it was so cool too, because that was such a reminder of like, oh, well, that's the only important thing is you have to make content that's actually good and it has to be up there and parallel with the ones that are smashing it. Cause if it's not, it doesn't deserve to be there. And then that's yeah. the only thing that I'm thinking now. So like we're filming this week, we're doing like another um, 30 happy meal challenge. This is a bit of a tribute <laughs> to it. like me and a couple of couple, my brother and my mate. So by the same token, like I have to watch that video back at the end of it and go like, this has the potential to smash it. And and if it does, that's all I want. And if it, you yeah. know, if it doesn't work out, who cares? You film again the next week. You keep trying stuff, but 
it's just that main, you know, you have to, I have to be making sure that the standard is there and that's all I care about. And I guess as well, like, yeah, even if there are videos that you expect to do well and they don't like the catalog's still there, you know what I mean? Like when, when you find exactly. that new subscriber, yeah. they go back through and it might be a couple of years down the track that a video that you've done starts to go super well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you, how much music you listen to, um, but a rapper that I've been following for years now, um, his name's Russ. He, uh, similar, like this is fucking not even actually yeah. not even, not even similar to this really, but he, he, uh, just independent, like mixes his own songs, makes all the beats, makes all the, the lyrics and all that shit and was putting out a song a week on SoundCloud and very similar vibe to you, like just making sure that each song he was progressing, he had to like it regardless of mm. the, the, the downloads, he would put it on SoundCloud like every single week for like, uh, I think it was a couple of years and then it started to pop off and now he has this catalog of like hundreds of songs which people can go back through and listen to and you know he knew that content was good but now that someone's found it that's when it starts to blow up so it's just that consistency and and just continually putting it in over time and i think consistency is so underrated oh absolutely in everything particularly you know health and fitness but particularly with content very similar with this with this podcast like i had i'm up to about 300 and be about 381 episodes now but like for the first well, year and a half the downloads were fuck all like i was pretty i was listening yeah. to it more times than anyone else um <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but it's just that putting out at least one episode a week over the years that now it starts to, now it starts to do well and and now we've got the content there um that yeah, was a exactly. fucking massive random ramble but um that's all good how's uh how's your training going anyway like what's the what's the um the goal for you at the moment i mean I feel like in, in health and fitness, especially once you've been in it for a while, it gets to a point where, you know, you've, you've put in the years and you build that foundation and you get to a point where you're happy with your physique. And I mean, there's always, there's always work to do, but what's, what's your goal with the, with the physical side of things now? Well, mine is more like, it's a little different in my position because, and you probably relate as well, but having to feel like I, like for me, my body doesn't sit lean. I don't just maintain a lean body fat mm-hmm. and go, life's good. I have to like usually work for it a lot, you know, and maintain <laughs> that. So like I spend as a result the last two years, for example, like just because of social, like social media pressures and just stuff like that. Like for people who don't understand the, the difference, it's, it's you literally make more money the leaner you are. It's just, it's, yeah. You know, when you look at the numbers, it's just how it works. So it's a very superficial world. The leaner I am, the more people sign up, the more views I get. It's just, you know, yep. it's like that. So you end up going, oh shit, okay, well, I'm going to eat a salad now. So then I, and I'm very <laughs> obsessive with my mentality of things. I'll usually go all or nothing with some stuff. So I spent the last two years pretty much like not dieting, but like pretty, pretty much in a calorie deficit and getting used to that. So I was getting yep. used to just running on nothing, right? So um, as a result, I noticed my physique pretty much stayed the exact same if not a little little worse in some areas had a bit of a like a knee injury like a just a tendonitis thing so started to go a little bit backwards and not loving it as much and i was getting Mm. used to feeling like like trash a bit so only in the last couple of months where i've gone i actually want to start feeling properly good again and a bit bigger and make some changes because like the way this started for me was i was just full-on obsessed with bodybuilding like i didn't get into this into fitness for any other reason that I love the gym, changing my body. I wanted to be a bodybuilder and everything like that. So that always is there a little bit in me wanting to like change my physique and do like bodybuilding style kind of you know yeah. training yeah. and everything like that. So that always is going to be there. And then for me now it's more like, okay, now I'm back in the mindset of I want to change, I want to get more improvements. I'm not yet ready to kind of maintain. If I was, I would just kind of maintain that lean, lean body and 
and kind of just go as it is. But for now, it's pretty much a, uh, a lean growing phase to try and get some improvements going. Yeah, man, it does get pretty exhaustive. I, um, what year was it? Uh, obviously, this was, this was uh, back was, was it 2017? I think I did like, because I did two or three years of physique competing. And I remember I did like three shows in one year and it was like a 26-week prep or some shit. And you get to the end of it oh. and it really is, it's like, it's very ironic, but like the better you look, the worse you feel. And then you kind of go to yourself, Ooh. fuck, hang on a second. Like I went, got into this and fell in love with this to feel good to look good, to, to really look forward all day to go on a train. And yeah. when you get to that point and you've been in a deficit for a long period of time, it's like, fuck, all the things that I actually really enjoy about this sport or this lifestyle is now missing. Um, so I mm. think, yeah, it's so important to then kind of at least transition out of for a little bit and spend some time where you're actually just looking forward to being in the gym and seeing those changes again. Exactly, yeah. What's uh, with pride, um, you know, mindful of your time. So we'll, we'll wrap up in, in a few minutes, but um, the pre-workout pride, obviously yourself yep. and, and is um, formulated the pre-workout, which is fucking incredible. Um, the new flavor is elite too. Um, oh, and we've done, I, I, I would have been prior to launch or just after launch, we did a full episode on it and is jumped on the show with us. Um, but how, for those that are listening, um, what is, what was that process like um, from kind of, coming up with that concept and then getting the formulas and, and playing around with the samples and whatnot to, to where it is right now. Um, and I guess how much involvement do you still have to have in, in the back end of it now that it's live and, and doing super well? So pretty much the way that very started was one time, like, and this was, we discussed this ages ago is came down here and we kind of the CEO and was speaking about um, just random products. Cause I love like the supplements and I've been with HP for a long time. And, and I was saying my, what my dream pre-workout would be like, we're just talking just smack. So for that, that for me was like, you know, a bit of a fast and slow energy. So you still want to keep training, no beta alanine, heaps of pump, heaps of focus, just something that actually has like gives you a better session. So anyway, is being the brain that he is just started writing down ingredients and what the formula would be. And just on his notes. And I was like, and what is it having lunch? And I was like, wow, this is actually crazy. So he kind of said, let's do it. And I, and for a long time, I just thought it wasn't happening. And even when they started showing me the, the, like the labels and we went in there and had some meetings about what it's going to look like. Even then I still thought this is still conceptual. It's not going ahead because it was just yeah. too good to be true. Like it was like, this is crazy. My own, my own thing. But then we went to Utah and actually like had a play with the actual formula they made the labs and it was like insane from the get go that they nailed the actual, like is nailed the ratio of ingredients and everything. Cause we just had the best workouts for like three days straight smashing it. But the only difficult thing was the flavor because the base ingredients were so good that they tasted just like terrible. So the flavor house that works with HP is just ridiculous at, at working with flavors and making it happen. So um, back and forth, back and forth. Now I pretty much just get to like, we have brainstorm sessions about, potential flavor ideas they can see what works it's interesting with the flavor labs because not all flavors like you can't just say oh sweet pride let's do a this and just say whatever flavor because it might not work with those ingredients so like with those ingredients do, yeah yeah we tried to do like a cotton candy as the first iteration at that time we actually couldn't get it at all for one of the ingredients just wasn't working with it so i had to let that one go for a bit which i was shattered about but now pretty much they'll do that we'll decide on a potential candidate and then they'll send me samples to my house is will taste it at his i'll taste it at mine a couple of other guys will taste it and then we'll kind of have a discussion see if any changes need to be made and 
lately they've just been like on the ball. Like when the latest one, Fantasy Soda, um, when that came to my house, the first sample, I was like, this is insane. Like bang on mm. from the get go, it was like perfect. So whether they're just getting like better at refining that or just with the working with that base, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's it's actually really awesome. Like it's uh, it's been one of my favorite things ever. That's awesome, man. Uh, just, just a couple more things before I wrap up. What's, uh, obviously yep. we talked, uh, talked about the, the personal development side of things. And, um, I guess with that comes a heap of self-awareness. And I think when things are going super well, sometimes it's, it's, uh, you know, obviously when content's going well, business is well, all that type of stuff, it's easy to almost ignore things that you might want to work on, on yourself and stuff like that. So this is a pretty, I guess, vulnerable or open question, but what are some things at the moment that, that you're wanting to really focus on and work on within yourself? Probably because I'm always thinking about this stuff of like, of that, but I think for one will be, I guess the confidence to keep putting things on the line and maybe taking more risks, hoping for a payoff instead of wanting, instead of acting a bit more conservatively or thinking of and being a bit risk averse. Like, I would like to have a bit more of that. And I think that just stems from a bit of a bit more self-belief. You know what I mean? Like when yep. I was a kid, I was like, thought I could do anything. And then for whatever reason, for a period of 10 years or so into my like early adulthood, I was like, Oh, 20 years old. I can't do anything. The world's huge. I can't do it. You know, you feel like that a bit. So I've always had like a little bit of that. And then now it's, I'm still trying to work on that um, self-confidence to go like, if I want to make a clothing brand, I can go and do it. So that's why like we did slouch because it was a bit of a challenge to put myself out there and put that out there in the world and kind of like try and push for something and back myself in. So that was like more of a, I did that part of me did that because I wanted to prove it to myself that, you know, I can, I can do that. So that's one thing that I'm still trying to keep pushing towards. And another one, which just trips me up all the time is like just not being too, too critical of, of myself. Cause you know, for whatever reason there's, a lot of factors I'd imagine, but yeah, I'm always thinking like I'm comparing myself to a lot of other people saying you should be doing better. You should be doing this, but because I work so much on the mindfulness, like mental awareness side of things, I do notice when I'm thinking that stuff. And that's what Mm -hmm. I think is important because for a lot of people out there, they probably compare themselves just as much and feel just a shit about themselves, but they don't really, they're not aware of it. And they don't, they can't pick it, pick on that and go, hang on. That's actually, that's not true. Or, that's a bad yeah. thought or whatever it is. Cause when I, when it happens, like I'll immediately go, actually, no, that's, you're just talking shit to yourself or don't, yeah. don't believe that you, maybe you're just, you're not feeling good today, whatever that is. I I'm still aware of it and I can kind of address it and notice it, but I kind of feel bad for the people. And that's why I make a lot of videos in this. So I feel bad for the people who aren't aware of, of that. And they're just going through life going, I suck. I'm a piece of shit. I should be doing better. Yeah. Why can't I do anything? I have no motivation. Like they're just, and then, nothing, nothing changes, you know, whereas mm-hmm. I'll notice it and go, okay, I can work on that. So that's like, that's one thing that I'm kind of still, still working on as well. Awesome, man. Love it. And, uh, just, just to send this off, what, uh, what's, what's one of the better books that you've read recently that the listeners can go and jump on and, and try for themselves? Uh, that is, I reckon, you know what? I actually reckon, uh, the diary of Naval, what is it? The Almanac of Naval Ravikant, I think that's what it is. I think it's the Almanac, yeah. The guy is just like, he's a really, really smart business investor guy. Like, it's a great, great book of just little, um, I guess, excerpts from him and his tweets and stuff like that. But at the end, he's actually got his reading list as well. 
And oh, I cool. think that's quite cool because he put his reading list there. So not only did I take a lot from that, but he set me up with another th- three books that I read just after that. And this was only like maybe a couple months ago. So they've all been really good too. So I reckon that is a good one. Awesome, man. I'll, I'll flick you through a list of some of the some of the good ones I've read recently. I'm sure some of them are probably already on the list that you've read, but there might be a few there yeah, that you haven't. Awesome, mate. Well, look, much appreciated. Uh, I'm glad we finally got it done. Uh, congrats on all the success and everything that's going on at the moment. I'm super excited to see what you do over the next few years. And um, I'm sure the listeners will take a lot of value from this episode. So for everyone who has tuned in, whether it's on, on YouTube or whether it's on uh, iTunes or Spotify, we'd love for you to take a screenshot of this episode, post up on Instagram story, tag myself, tag Zach. I'll have the links to his socials, YouTube channel, Slash Potato, all the stuff in the show notes below. Um, thanks a lot, man. Much appreciated. Legend. Thank you.